Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on the Slice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Jared Taylor. Joining me today is Dr. Stephen Friedhoff, the Senior VP of Healthcare Services at Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. How are you today? I'm well, thanks, Jared. And yourself? Doing well. I'm excited to have you on. You got the nice background here. I'm loving all the diplomas. Nice. Wherever you're at right now, it seems to be sunny. Uh, what part of North Carolina are, are you in, Dr. Friedhoff? Well, I actually split my time between uh, Durham, North Carolina, as well as Pennsylvania. So actually today I'm working out of a home office and like many home offices, it was never uh, meant for the external world to see, but as the pandemic happened, so did uh, many other things. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really excited to chat with you here today, and I think we should dive right into it. Uh, please tell our audience a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk more about uh, your organization and some of the cool things you're doing. Sure. Happy to. So my training was as a family physician. I spent uh, over 20 years in uh, full-time and part-time practice of medicine, uh, sometimes in independent private practices at uh, another point in my career in more academic role where I was uh, faculty in a family medicine residency program teaching uh, residents and, and medical students. Um, I've been on a uh, managed care uh, journey for, for a number of years now, and in my current role at Blue Cross of North Carolina, I'm responsible for a number of different areas related to healthcare services, and they include things like our care management programs, both medical and behavioral health, pharmacy, network contracting, value-based programs, quality and clinical outcomes, and payment accuracy. So... When when you when you first joined uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina, what was it that really drew you into this role? That really excited you about joining this team? There are a couple of factors. I would say one of the most interesting ones is that even in some of my prior roles, we often looked to North Carolina as a leader in value based care. And uh, even when we were developing some of our programs or benchmarking them against other organizations nationally, it was pretty clear that North Carolina was uh, innovative, was a leader uh, in this space. And I have to say, when I met some of the uh, leadership of the organization uh, very early on, you know, many organizations talk about uh, culture and doing the right thing, uh, you know, in their in their geography. And Blue Cross of North Carolina is not only the largest, but the only not-for-profit, you know, fully taxed uh, payer that is exclusively focused on improving health outcomes in North Carolina. And I think when you put those two things together, it was an organization whose mission, vision, and values were just very, very compelling to me. And you know, you, since you've been there, and and talk through, you know, today. What are what are some of the pressing challenges that you're you see in the industry today, um, and we and we can dive more into those in a second. But really curious about you know you laying these these pressing issues out for us here. Sure, I mean there's certainly more than two, but perhaps I'll just highlight two of them um, for for the sake of time. You know, in healthcare, we frequently talk about you know access and availability to healthcare of healthcare. And I look at those as two very, very different things from an availability perspective. And I, you know, there's certainly many specialties where access to healthcare, workforce shortages are a real, real challenge. 
behavioral health, I would say, is one in particular that is very, very challenging, not only in North Carolina, uh, but really across the country. And to a large extent, that is uh, workforce shortages balanced against you know, a growing need for behavioral health services for a variety of different reasons. And then on top of that, you've also got much more specific access issues. So in a given geography, say in underserved areas or in marginalized populations or you know, in populations, for example, who may not be able to avail themselves to telehealth for a variety of different reasons, you may in theory have availability of different types of providers, including behavioral health, but access to those providers can certainly you know, still be a, a significant problem. Um, it's certainly not limited to behavioral health, but I think that is one that is very, very prominent, uh, again, in both in North Carolina and really on a national basis. I'd say one of the other challenges that we've been trying to address as an industry or have been addressing as an industry uh, for many, many years now has certainly been you know, medical costs and you know, the constant acceleration of um, uh, cost to individuals, you know, cost to government payers, cost to employers. And, you know, it seems like when I was in uh, just coming out of med school in, in the 90s, you know, we were talking about, you know, uh, healthcare is a percentage of GDP of something like 12 percent. And back then that was viewed as unsustainable. Right. And depending on who you read now, where are we? Probably 19 percent, give or take, depending on the, the source that you read. And, you know, at the end of the day, physicians, providers want to do the right thing. There's absolutely no question in my mind about that. But our reimbursement system has always valued doing something to a patient rather than focusing on prevention. There's always been a focus and a uh, much higher level of reimbursement for procedures, um, as opposed to sitting and taking time with patients, having a conversation, understanding risk factors, educating. So a lot of what we've done at Blue Cross of North Carolina to address these over the last couple of years has been with a value-based program that uh, we call Blue Premier. And it's really been one of our highest priorities over the last couple of years. And it's really meant to modernize healthcare by not just paying for services and paying for volume, but by rewarding quality um, and by therefore reducing unplanned hospital admissions, increasing preventative care, et cetera. And, and we've had some very, very good success. We've seen things like about a 5% reduction in unplanned hospital readmissions, among adults who are in uh, Blue Premier uh, or affiliated with Blue Premier providers compared to 2020. We've seen about a 12% increase in the percentage of members who were controlling their blood pressure um, prior, after being enrolled with a uh, Blue Premier provider than prior to enrollment. And we've actually seen about 24,000 more colorectal cancer screenings than we had previously. And when you do some of the population health math, turns out, you know, that can potentially avoid up to 570 preventable deaths over time. And there's other proof points around things like, you know, increasing routine childhood immunizations during a time where, you know, with the pandemic, we're actually seeing significant reductions in uh, immunization protocols across the country. So, you know, it's, it's been a nice combination of not only making healthcare uh, higher quality, but more affordable. In fact, in the program's first three years, it saved about half a billion dollars in healthcare costs in North Carolina. And um, just last year alone, it was about $130 million. And about two thirds of that actually goes back to the providers to help them continue to invest in their own 
care management approaches and hopefully turn this into a, a virtuous cycle where you know we're both successful in value-based care to address both cost and quality. When you were you were diving more into you know some of the some of the great things that uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield North Carolina is doing right to to solve some of these issues that you laid out on top of a couple of those things what are what are some of the other exciting developments in both you know clinical and digital innovation that you've been seeing uh, both with what you're doing at your organization but just in general uh, that really excite you sure well you know since I mentioned behavioral health maybe I'll, I'll start with that on clinical and then I'll give perhaps another example with some of the uh, the more digital approaches if, if if that's okay so behavioral health is just really an indispensable part of whole person health. And again, as a family physician, you know, in the past when I sat with a patient in front of me, I wasn't separating their physical health complaint from their, you know, from their mental health. You know, they are inexorably intertwined. And, you know, as, as a physician, you have to address both of those together. Um, unfortunately, as we've seen you know, the results of the pandemic, the results of the opioid crisis, um, access to behavioral health has become a real, real challenge. And sometimes as a primary care physician, it's one thing to be able to identify it. And it's another thing to be able to treat mild to moderate cases yourself. And it can be extraordinarily difficult to actually find behavioral health providers in a community who can help work with those patients who need that extra specialized help. In fact, if you look in North Carolina, we have 100 counties in North Carolina and all one or nearly all of our 100 counties are classified as mental health uh, professional shortage areas. And more than half of those counties don't even have a single psychiatrist who specializes in child and adolescent care. And as I'm sure you've seen, um, there have been numerous articles over the last couple of months, really on a national level, really highlighting you know, the real challenges with, with adolescent uh, mental health care, anxiety, depression that have just really increased exponentially just in the last couple of years. So we're doing a number of different things at Blue Cross of North Carolina, and clearly this takes a much more um, broader, more broad community-oriented approach to truly solve problems like this. But we've made some significant strides for expanding our own network for this kind of care. So for example, we have a collaboration with an organization called Headway that's focused on meeting the needs of children and adolescents, specifically in underserved communities and in individuals across very diverse racial and ethnic backgrounds. And one of the things that was, um, I think, most encouraging about that partnership is over 80% 80, 80 of the providers that we now work with were not in our network previously. These were behavioral health providers who were more on a, you know, private only cash or credit card only type of a basis. And through this collaboration, we were able to meet them where their business model is rather than trying to force them, you know, to meet us, you know, where, where payers typically are. So just bringing that many net new providers into the network was, was uh, a great win. Uh, for, you know, really for the community as a whole. We're also working with a, a company called Mindula that provides clinical services, crisis support, and assistance um, with coordinating care for members who have substance use disorders or more serious uh, mental illnesses. And in the last couple of months, we've also built a dedicated team of behavioral health care navigators. 
And the whole idea there is rather than having patients who are already struggling with some of these challenges, you know, have to you know, make phone calls to different behavioral health providers, try to find the right match, make sure that the provider is, you know, specializes in their needs. Um, these care navigators um, interact with the patients, identify their needs, and help them actually get an appointment with a provider who um, understands them, who has expertise in their area, and can see them in a, in a timely manner. So that's a few of the things we're doing in the behavioral health space. And as far as digital innovation is concerned, I look at it in a couple of different ways at a, at a very, very high level. So some of the most interesting things, and certainly one of the ones that sound the most compelling is you know, when there are digital innovations that can help with patients who, can, who require some additional health coaching, help with self-management and real-time feedback. And there's many, many of those out there. Diabetes is a perfect example. And there are several different platforms where, you know, utilizing an app and being able to document what your sugars are doing, what you're eating, what your activity level is like, even sometimes taking a picture of the kind of food you're, you're thinking of eating, you know, it can give you a really good sense of um, how well you're controlling your diabetes, what you could be doing better. It uses artificial intelligence to provide real-time coaching that really, again, meets the patient where they, where they are um, along the, the whole spectrum of, of diabetes management. So those are really interesting and, and patients who utilize them tend to really love them. But the challenge there sometimes is that we have to be really cautious that it doesn't widen the schism of those who already were reasonably well-controlled people with diabetes to begin with and now have another tool at their disposal versus individuals who may have poorly controlled diabetes or, or another condition, but may not have the financial means or the educational means to utilize a tool like this, or maybe have other comorbidities that impair use of the technology, you know, things like, you know, visual deficits where it's difficult for them to use a phone or just difficult or discomfort with technology. Um, you know, certainly that's not for, for everyone. Lack of broadband in certain areas, you know, is, is getting better, but still can be a barrier to, to that kind of adoption. Um, but one of the areas that I'm very hopeful we'll start to see even more use of artificial intelligence and machine learning is as we get better and better at predictive models. And the reason is, you know, we as a health plan have case managers that can do outreach to patients who we believe are at risk because of their conditions, because they were just discharged from a hospital or a whole myriad of different reasons. At the same time, many providers, including those who are in our value-based arrangements, have the same motivation to, you know, to reach out to patients who are the most at risk. And like everywhere else in healthcare, you know, there's limited resources, whether it's providers making those outreaches or the health plan making those kinds of outreaches, you know, there's never going to be enough, you know, case managers to outreach to everyone. So these kinds of mo predictive models can help us identify who are not only the most at-risk individuals, but, you know, who are the most who can, you know, hopefully be the most impactable, you know, from, due to an outreach. And as these models evolve and learn, 
they, you know, they're not taking over, they're not replacing a nurse, a pharmacist, a physician doing that kind of outreach. The way I look at it is it really enables all of those people to do their job more effectively and to outreach at a time where it would matter the most. I think a lot of the, the, the digital technologies and, you know, automated health coaching, they absolutely have a place. And I think they've been shown to be very, very beneficial, but particularly with some individuals who are the most at risk, who have the greatest need, um, you know, there's, there's no substitute for the human touch and making sure that we use that where it's got the potential to be the most effective is incredibly important. And in another place, I believe that, you know, artificial intelligence um, and digital can really help us have that greatest impact. Well, Dr. Friedhoff, I'm really excited to, to continue to see how things evolve for, for uh, you know, with you and your organization and all the great things that you're doing. Really appreciate you giving us some great examples of, um, you know, what you're doing to help solve some of these issues regarding mental health. And it sounds like you have some really great partnerships that are also helping you continue to, you know, provide the care to people that they that they need. Uh, I'm hoping we can bring you on again in the near future, maybe get you on a panel with some other folks and dive uh, deeper into the mental health side of things, um, you know, which I know is a huge focus for you. And uh, once again, want to thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast and sharing your thoughts on uh, some cool questions today. Yeah, my pleasure, Jared. Thank you. Thank <music> you.